Okay, so our reading this morning is Mark chapter 14, verses 10 to 25. So I'll just give you a couple of seconds. Okay. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And when, wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it, just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take this, is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a pretty cool uh, occasion because today we are finishing the book of Mark. You might think that's weird. Why are you stopping at chapter 14? Well, if you remember back to Easter, we did 15 and 16 um, on Good Friday and, and well, the rest of 14 in, in, and 15 on Good Friday and then 16 on Easter Sunday. Uh, so we are doing the whole of the book. It just so happens that we're now catching up to where we, where we ended up. So this is this is a really really exciting exciting time. Um, thankful to God for helping us uh, get through this book and learn lots. I hope you've had lots of encouragement. I, I know I have from spending time looking in how Jesus has interacted with the people, how he's he's taught the gospel, the message of salvation, how he healed people, how he cast out demons, how he showed great compassion and kindness and love. He loved people who were outcast. He brought them in. Uh, we just get a wonderful picture of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. This, this loving, kind Savior and, and Lord who came to this earth, um, knowing that we are, we are sinful and messed up, and he came, and he came with a purpose to die and to rise to save us. And that's a wonderful, wonderful uh, message uh, that we see clearly throughout the Gospel of Mark, that Jesus is indeed the King, uh, the King who, saves, King who saves sinners like us. And so we, we, we come to this passage uh, fulfilling uh, the, our understanding of the book of Mark. I was driving 
the other day and um, I was on Canning Road going from Pickering Brook to Kalamunda um, and for those of you who live up that way, you probably know that that, that road just keeps going. I didn't. Uh, so I, I, I'm a bit old school. I'll just show you my, my phone quickly. It doesn't have maps on it, so uh, it's a Nokia. <laughs> so here you go. Um, and so I have a map book. Uh, yes, they still exist. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what a map book is, it's a, it's a really cool book that has like the whole of, uh, my one has the whole of Perth up to date to 2022, so it's pretty good, it's pretty fresh. Um, and I, I'd referred to this map book and it showed me that the Canning Road goes all the way. And so I was like, okay, cool. And then I drove along it and as I was going, I was like, wow, so that's, that, that connects here, that connects here, that connects there. And it was just like completing my mental map of the area and I was very grateful. So if you haven't driven Canning Road from one side to the other, I encourage you to do so. It definitely helped me in my hills geography. Why am I talking about that? Well. It's just like that with, with Mark. We're now finishing the, the, the missing piece of, 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 this, uh, of this book. And, and, and hopefully, as we look at that, it'll help us get all of the pieces of the puzzle so we know, we know exactly where we are. And we can see how uh, the betrayal of Jesus uh, led to his death and resurrection, which we've already looked at. So uh, this, this, this passage uh, begins by telling us about Judas Iscariot. Uh, who was one of the 12. I don't know if you picked up on that, but a number of times we hear about the 12. Uh, Judas Iscariot was one of the 12, one of Jesus' disciples, one of his close followers, who'd been around Jesus for the past few years, following him, going along with all of these different visits and things. He'd seen Jesus. He'd been with Jesus personally, knew him, uh, and, and yet he was going to betray him. It says uh, in verse 10, Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. So remember, Jesus has been facing a lot of opposition in Mark. People have been trying to bring him down. And now there is an inside man who is going to try and bring that to pass. When they heard it, that's the chief priests, they were glad. Their opportunity had arisen. So that's why they were glad. And they promised to give him money. They said that they would give Judas money for this. And so Judas sought an opportunity to betray him. Judas put the value of money higher than the value on, on, on God himself, Jesus Christ, with him. And, and this had devastating consequences. So we see Judas, who was one of the 12, one of Jesus' followers, not, not just a face in the crowd, but a friend, someone who knew Jesus personally. Uh, and we see that again, uh, verse 17 mentions uh, that uh, Jesus was there with the 12. Uh, we also see Jesus say, when, when they ask, oh, is it I, is it I who will betray, betray you? Jesus says, it is one of the 12. It's, it's not someone who's far removed, but one of the 12, one of the close uh, in, in crowd um, in, the, in Jesus' disciples. And so that's, that's kind of the context. We've got, there's lots of opposition against Jesus. We've got this betrayal that's about to happen. And we've got the inside man who's trying to bring Jesus down. We know that it's Judas. Uh, but, but the other disciples in that section don't yet know. Jesus knows, but, but the other disciples don't yet know. And so that's why they question. And in the midst of that context, we've got this Passover feast. Uh, there's this uh, feast that happens. We'll talk a bit more about that a bit later. But the Passover um, is, is this feast that the, that the Jews had. Joe read that passage from Exodus 12 that reminds us of what that feast was all about. Uh, it's, it's all about... Uh, when the people of Israel, that's God's Old Testament people, had been all uh, in slavery in Egypt, 
Uh, and, and God had promised that he would rescue them out of that slavery. God promised to them that I'm going to take you out of Egypt. I'm going to exert my mighty arm and remove you from slavery in Egypt. He made that promise. And then God brought that to pass. Uh, we see that in Exodus 12. God provides these lambs and the lamb's blood is then put on the doorposts and on the lintel, so on a door. Um, and so then when God passes over in judgment, when he judges that whole area, the, the people of Egypt who were not covered by the blood of the slain lamb, they were under judgment. But those who were covered by the blood of the slain lamb, God's judgment passed over them. And that's where we get the name Passover, because God's judgment didn't fall on them, it passed over them. So that's what this feast is all about. And now the Jews remembered this every year. They would, they would have that feast again and again and again to remind themselves that their God, the Lord, had rescued them from Egypt. Not, not to forget that amazing thing that he'd done. Egypt was this superpower and Israel were this really weedy nation. And, and God rescued them from the superpower and he defeated them. And so... God kept his people safe. And so we see with Passover, you get a real big picture of God keeping his promises. God said um, way back in Exodus 3, I will rescue you from Egypt. Then we see in Exodus 12, he does it. He, he makes promises and he keeps promises. He makes promises and he keeps promises. Uh, you and I, we may make promises, um, but often we've, we fall short of keeping our promises. God never falls short at keeping his promises. He is always true to his word. And so we see that with the example of Passover. Uh, another example that I just want to mention is from when uh, God calls Abraham to, Isaac, uh, to sacrifice Isaac. And, um, and he says that God will provide the lamb. Uh, God promises to provide the lamb and he does provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Um, so... Just helpful to have these things in mind uh, as, as we then look to Jesus in the New Testament. So this is that at that time of that feast. And on the first day, this is verse 12, of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, to Jesus, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? There's not, would you like us to? They just, yeah, this is what we do. This is where, and, and so they ask, where would you like it? Um, and Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, um, now I, I want us to, as, as you read this, don't, don't just go, uh, don't just gloss over it. Think about how amazing this is, this, these next few verses. This is astonishing. Go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him and wherever he enters, say to the master of, of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. So imagine being those disciples. You've just, you've just had this instruction. You've asked Jesus, where, where would you like us to prepare the Passover for you? And Jesus says, uh, go, go into the city. And there you're going to see a guy and, and he's carrying a jar of water. He'll meet you there. Follow him. When you get to the house, then, then go and ask the master of the house. Say, the teacher has sent me to ask, where can I, um, where's my guest room that I may eat the Passover with my friends, my disciples, and then he'll show you this room. That's astonishing, isn't it? You think about that, like Jesus is God and he has all control over everything. He's planned this from, from all, all eternity past. And so he, he, he set this, this divine encounter up 
uh, that they may uh, go and meet this guy and then have this place where they can, they can eat, eat the Passover. Um, Jesus being divine, that's why it's a divine encounter. The guy that they're meeting is not divine. It's just that God had planned it. And so it's a yeah, planned by God encounter. And so they go and, um, and they, the disciples set out. They go to the city, um, which is great. They, they, they appear to be trusting Jesus. And they found it. And what does it say? Just as he had told them. They found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And that, that, we, need, we need to let those words strike us, just as he had told them. It wasn't like, oh, it was mostly right. No, 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 no. It was just as he had told them. Jesus had told them exactly what was going to happen, and then it did happen. And, that, and that's because Jesus is the same God who makes his promises and keeps his promises. The same God who promised in Exodus that I will rescue you from Egypt, and then in Exodus later on actually rescues them from Egypt. Jesus makes promises and he keeps promises. And so we see that it's just as he had told them. And so this seems like a, a small encounter. You know, it's just a, it doesn't seem as, as though it's as big, but it's, it's significant. Why is it significant? Because it shows us that Jesus is trustworthy. It shows us that he's true. It shows us that he can be trusted, that when he tells us something, it is true and it is going to happen just as he tells us. And we need to know that because there are other promises that Jesus makes, uh, other promises that, 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 are, that are about him being betrayed and also about him going as it is written of him. Uh, we see that as we work our way down um, from 17. And when it was evening, he came with the 12. So they go back to the place where the Passover was prepared. And as they were reclining at table and eating, uh, so they're, they're having a meal together, uh, sharing the Passover. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, remember, the rest of the disciples, they didn't know this at this point. So that's a very shocking thing to hear, isn't it? Judas has been plotting and conspiring to bring Jesus down. But the other disciples are none the wiser. They, 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 they don't know at this point. Uh, they all, and, and then they hear Jesus say, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. It's not, it's not some kind of like guy we met one time. No, it's, it's someone who's here. One of the 12. They began to be sorrowful. And, and as you imagine, I, 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 could, I can totally see that. I'm sure we all can imagine hearing that. You would be sorrowful. And to say to him one after another, is it I? Is it I? Is it going to be me? Am I going to be the one? And Jesus said to them, it is one of the 12. So, so we know it's someone in, in the room, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. And then he says this, these words, for the son of man, if you can remember back earlier on in Mark, Jesus has used the son of man as a title to refer to himself, uh, which both conveys his humanity, um, being a son of, of, of man, and also his divinity, because it's a special title in, in the Old Testament. Uh, he says that the son of man, talking about himself, goes as it is written of him. Goes as it is written of him. Now, that, that's very similar in a lot of ways to just as he had told them. You think God told us in the Old Testament, you can look at passages like Isaiah 53 or Psalm 22, and you can see prophesied in the Old Testament that God would come, that God would send his servant and he would die to save the people. So Jesus goes as it is written of him, just as God had told us. 
But he says, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Jesus goes as it is written, as it has been planned, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. And then he says these words, it would have been better for that man if he had not been born. That's the severity of the judgment. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Elsewhere in the Bible, it tells us it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The judgment uh, from God on sin is severe. And, and it, is, it is not something that I want or we want anyone to go to. We want people to know Jesus uh, and to know, and to know his, his love and salvation. Um, but we need to know that the judgment on our sin is severe. All of these things happen according to God's plan. Can you see that? He, he has this overarching plan. Uh, he isn't caught off guard when Jesus is betrayed and killed. No, he, Jesus goes as it is written of him. It is planned beforehand, all organized before, according to God's perfect plan, as he's promised in his word. But even though these things are planned by God, we remain accountable for our sin. We're, we're responsible for, for the wrong that we do. If you see with Judas, Jesus says, woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. He, he, he is under judgment for his sinful rebellion against God. And, and what, what, was, what was so bad about what Judas did? Well, his action of, of, of betrayal against Jesus paved the way for Jesus to be crucified, for, for the, the Son of God to be murdered on a cross. Uh, he was the inside man who opened the way for that to happen. And so we can see how evil what Judas um, did was. But then when we look at ourselves, we can see that actually... We're, we're sinners too. And Jesus went to the cross because of sin, because of our rebellion against God. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And so we can't just kind of wash our hands and, and say, well, we're not guilty of this because we, we weren't there. Well, because we're all sinners, because we've all rebelled against God. We, we all deserve that judgment that Jesus deserved. And so we are all guilty of um, not of the same uh, thing as Judas, of betraying him in that way, but we're all guilty of sin, and for that sin, we deserve judgment. And God is just and, 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 and put that judgment on Jesus uh, in our place. So we, we can't say that we, we, we're not responsible for Jesus' death because we're all sinners. And, um, and it's because of our sin that Jesus had to go to the cross. So we all bear responsibility there. Our sin is the reason Jesus went to the cross. But why would God plan all of this? I mean, God, God has this perfect plan. He makes his promises. He keeps his promises. But why would he plan that his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come to earth to be murdered? Why would he plan that? And it's because of his love. It's because of his great love for us, in his infinite wisdom and kindness and grace. He made a plan back before the world was made to save us, to rescue us from our sin. At the cross of Christ, uh, where Jesus was, was murdered on a cross, on, the, on a Roman uh, execution method, which was saved for the worst of criminals. When we see uh, that what we did to the Lord Jesus, putting him on that cross, we see the worst of human evil, don't we? The, the perfect son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God himself, we put on a cross to kill him. We see the depth of our depravity, the weight of our sin, we should, we should have been bowing down to him, but instead we, we murdered him. 
and hung him on a cross. And yet, at the same time that we see the worst of human evil, we see the most amazing love of God. That God would do that to save sinners like us. That that very event where we were killing the Son of God, God had planned from before the foundation of the world to save us. Jesus on the cross cries, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. What an amazing love that he would go to that cross, that he would do that for us, that he would bear our guilt, our shame, our sin in our place on a cross that we might stand righteous before God. Jesus was bearing not only the wrath of humanity, you know, the jeers and the scorns and the people spitting at him and beating him and all the rest of it, but the wrath of God against sin. Not only the wrath of humanity, but the wrath of God against sin. And so on that cross, Jesus takes the judgment that we deserve, that we can then go free. His blood is shed in our place, which is just like at Passover. Because at Passover, the lamb was slain. The blood of the lamb was shed and the people were covered. Their houses were covered by that blood. So that when God came in judgment, his judgment passed over them. Those who were not covered by the blood of the lamb remained under judgment. But those who were covered by the blood of the lamb were safe. And that's the same today. The blood of the lamb being the blood of Jesus Christ. If we are in Jesus, if we know Jesus, if we've turned and trusted him as our savior and Lord, we are covered by his blood. And so when God judges the world at the end in righteousness and fairness and in in perfect fairness, uh, he will pass over us. We will not be under his judgment, but we will be covered by the blood of the lamb. But for all those who do not know Jesus, who are not covered by the blood of the lamb, they remain under God's wrath and his judgment because they aren't covered. And so we all need to be covered by the blood of the lamb. Because that's our only hope at the end. God will judge the world. He's going to judge the whole world. And he's not a a dodgy judge who who we can bribe. He's He's not a blind judge who's going to not be able to see through any kind of fancy arguments or whatever we try and make. No, he's a just, perfect, good judge who knows everything. And the only way that we can be safe before him is being in Jesus Christ, being covered by his blood and his perfect righteousness. And do you notice that it's not because we're better than others? It's not because we're, we, we've uh, worked our way into being right with God. No, it's because Jesus died for us. Because his blood as the ultimate lamb covers us. The ultimate Passover lamb. And so what we see here is Jesus apply... <laughs> Hi, Heath. Uh, <laughs> my son's waving at me. Uh, we see Jesus uh, apply his, his, his death to the message of the Passover, and he fulfills that meaning. You see, God promises in the Old Testament that he's going to give a lamb. We see that partially fulfilled in the Old Testament, don't we? But we see that fully fulfilled in Jesus. We see the ultimate lamb come when Jesus comes, the ultimate lamb slain when Jesus dies. And so when Jesus says these words that are familiar to us because we hear them when when we have communion each week, he is bringing the fulfilled meaning to the Passover. And he says these words, As they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. 
And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. You see, Jesus' blood poured out for many to save those who are in him. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus has said, uh, he, he said that he would, he would be betrayed. He said that he would die. He said that he would rise. And he's done all of those things. And he says here that he is, he is going to have this, this, this time in the future when with the disciples he will drink again anew with us. And so we can trust him because he is faithful and true. He always keeps his promises. Remember, he makes promises and he keeps his promises. And so that means that we have this sure hope that if we are covered by the blood of the Lamb, if we are in Jesus Christ, then we are headed for eternity with him, where we get to be face to face with Jesus, rejoicing in him forever. And that fills us with gratitude, doesn't it? Thankfulness to Jesus Christ, because we know that we wouldn't be standing there, we wouldn't be sharing this meal with him if it weren't for him doing everything necessary to make us there. If it weren't for him pouring out his grace and his love on us, we wouldn't be standing there with him. But he has done it. Jesus on the cross, when he, when he, as he was dying, he cried out, it is finished. He has paid the price in full. Jesus has paid our debt. And so we can go free. It's this beautiful swap that Jesus does where he takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. And so before the perfect almighty God at the end, we can stand righteous, clothed in righteousness because of being in Jesus Christ. So if you are in Jesus, rejoice, praise God, thank him, uh, continue to live for him out of gratitude for what he's done for you. If you are not yet in Jesus, or if you don't know where you stand with Jesus, then come to him today. Come to Jesus today. Put your trust in him. He is trustworthy. He makes promises and he keeps them. He is the lamb who was slain. He is offering us salvation as a free gift, whereby we can be covered by his blood and so the judgment passes over us. Trust in Jesus Christ, the ultimate Passover lamb. If you want to do that today, I ask you to please pray with me in a moment and also please come talk with me afterwards. It would be my great privilege and joy to pray with you. Let's join together in prayer now. Lord Jesus, we are sinful people who have so often gone against you. Uh, we, we, we have sinned against you. We've wronged you. We haven't done the right thing. We have done the wrong thing. And Lord, we know that we bear responsibility for you going to the cross. And so we ask for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. Lord, we put our trust in you by your grace. And so we thank you that we are covered by your blood, Jesus. And so the judgment will pass over us for all who believe and trust in you. So Lord, would you have mercy on us, we pray. And give us great joy and thankfulness to you. Help us to turn to you always and to live for you out of gratitude for your gift of salvation. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.